It is Thursday the 10th of December. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. How are you, bud? Afternoon, Timmy. Yeah, great. Good to be here. Lots to talk about in sport today. Uh, really exciting. We've got um, talk about some AFL draft. We're going to talk about a bit of rugby and some issues around head injuries later. Lots to talk about, mate. Yeah, absolutely. It's an extraordinary time. Next week on the show, we're going to get legal with uh, our legal expert about some of the things happening with concussion. But today, former NFL player Colin Scott will join us and Corey McKernan, two-time Premiership AFL player, and he's got a wonderful charity initiative going at the moment. This is Afternoon Sport. Yeah, well, there's injuries left, right and centre for the Australian cricket team. We are just a week away from this first test match. Dave Warner officially out, Shane. Uh, We thought it, but now it's official. Yeah, as we expected, mate, uh, or suspected, we should say, is that, uh, yeah, the groin injury, he's definitely out for the first test, which leaves a big hole at the top of the order there. It does. So which way would you go? A few guys, look, you've you've said no, Joe Burns, but a couple of other players, I think Adam Gilchrist and and a few others have said, no, why not go with with Joe Burns and, and, and... and see how we go with it because uh, the stocks are slim. Pekofsky with the uh, the mild concussion, it's really it's really on its head. It is. Uh, I definitely wouldn't go with Burns. So he's only scored fifty seven runs the whole season. Unless he can pull something out of the bag this next match, he's in real trouble. But I, th- I think Pekofsky, you know, the amount of runs he scored, yes, he's had a mild concussion. But I, look, I think the the kid is is has really good talent. Has the ability to score big runs. He's young. He's the right age. Get him in there. And Mitchell Stark. Uh, we we don't know the full extent of it, but there's there's a there's an illness in the family, so he's not travelling across to Adelaide at this point. No, and he's going to be a little bit underdone, considering under lights uh, last time he played in lights with with the pink ball. He's a real danger, but he hasn't had a lot of bowling. Yeah, it's a strange one, a, a family illness, so it's it's got to be serious. And as Justin Langer said, you know, family comes first. So just hope everything's okay in the Stark family. This rugby story is an extraordinary yarn, isn't it? Uh, Steve Thompson, who who won the Rugby World Cup with England in 2003, broke all our hearts. He's been diagnosed with early-onset dementia, and he's joining a group of former players who are potentially uh, leading a landmark legal action for the sport. And there's eight former players who are all under the age of 45. Yeah, mate, it, it's, this is a real big one for sport. Um Will sport be the same as we know it right now? If this landmark case goes ahead and there is a class action brought forward to the English Rugby Board, we may not see rugby being able to put teams in the paddock anymore due to insurance issues. It's a real big issue for sport as we know it. Yeah, and, and look, we're going to look at it legally next week with with our expert, but yeah, you, you're talking about a powder keg, and it's not just in rugby, it's in other sports. Colin Scotts, we'll talk to him about concussion in American football. Now, look, neither of us are surfers as we look at surfing, but a shark at the Roxy Pro, goodness gracious me, I'd reckon I'd be walking on water if I saw one of those. Well, yeah, so uh, it was a shark attack, I think it was three hours before our two Australians, Taylor Wright and Sally Fitzgibbon, were about to get in the water. I don't know if it was a fatal shark attack, but they, um, yeah, they obviously had to pull him out and give him CPR. So, yeah, scary times. There seems to be a lot of sharks everywhere. How would you cope? Well, I can't surf, mate. I'd be getting out of that water as quickly as possible, I reckon. But it was early in the morning. Like most attacks, I think they either start really early in the morning or, or late at night. And, and it was a local surfer in Maui. So, you know, hopefully 
for his family, he's okay. Yeah, and the moving away from from the events of what happened. But um, I, I tell you what, sharks um, jaws did it for me. I'm slightly older than you, and um, yeah, that that music. You know, when, sometimes when I'm in the ocean, and look, being a half leb from Guildford, I'm not a strong swimmer. <laughs> no, you never see the Lebanese really featuring that well in the Olympics for uh, for swimming. But anyway, you have lots of other talents, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I do. I just sink. That's all. <laughs> um, now th- this is a this is a different yarn. This one, and and look, I think it surprised a lot of people. Kurt Capewell, who is now at the Panthers, and his revelation yesterday that a number of years ago he he, he went along to a shoot and it ended up like a like a, a photo shoot, I, I'd imagine, or a film shoot. Uh, and it, it ended up he was filming a pornographic movie. Yeah, is this is this a real story? I'm, I'm I wasn't sure when I read it. Um, the poor guy. Uh, we'll have to get more details. We might get our um, expert uh, producer on this. Dan, he seems to be pretty good at that sort of stuff. Well, Dan McEwen, he's usually very good with his research. He doesn't have to do much work here because it's the front page of the Daily Telegraph under a cautionary tale. It's an extraordinary yarn where some of the vision of this particular movie was going to be released. So uh, he's got on the front foot. It's it's not the kind of story you expect to read every single day, but we have it all here on Afternoon Sport. Coming up, we're going to talk to Corey McKernan. What a player he was. Yeah, AFL draft last night. It was all over the shop, wasn't it? Extraordinary. Some of the winners, some of the losers. And look, it's a real treat, Shano, uh, to have on the show today. Two-time Premiership player. What a player he was. And of course, still heavily involved in sport across so many sports. Corey McKernan, good morning. Good morning, boys. How are you going? Very well. Corey, uh, two-time Ruse legend here, mate. So thanks for coming on the show. Now, last night, Jamara Yugo-Hagen uh, was the number one draft pick. Doesn't end up going to the number one pick. Well, what's going on in this draft? Oh, well, we, we had to really keep in the theme of 2020, didn't we, boys? By, <laughs> by making sure that a, that a player gets uh, picked by the Adelaide Crows at number one. But the way that the academy system works within the AFL system that the clubs who have looked after them as, as juniors can actually match the bid and it's a ridiculous situation that they've got to look at down the track because you know, I mean the draft is really designed to be there to look after teams that unfortunately haven't been that good but then all of a sudden you've got a club like the Western Bulldogs that are just sitting there licking their lips and they've ended up getting a player that they're actually comparing for those that don't know. They're comparing him and it's big shoes to be com- compared to or fill is uh, is Buddy Franklin. So if he ends up something like that, the Western Bulldogs have had the steal of the century. And look, if there was ever a time that Adelaide needed a little bit of good luck, not that the Port Adelaide cousins will care because, you know, they really don't like each other, but they had such a bludger of a year, the Crows. Yeah, well, they did. And, and when you look at both the teams that have ended up in the, in the first two picks, like the Adelaide Crows, they've never had a number one pick in their history. And and even my old club, North Melbourne, we, I don't think we've had a draft pick so high uh, since Daniel Wells in 2002. So you, you're talking about teams that have traditionally not bottomed out. And as I mentioned, that's what the draft is actually meant to reward, that if you do go down the bottom of the ladder and you do pick your draft, uh, you get your draft picks right, well, you can end up with some pretty good talent. But I'd imagine they do have to change the system because it is totally ridiculous. And Corey, um, Collingwood started the trade period in a really peculiar way, but ended up 
pretty well on the night. <laughs> well, we were all joking about this, I think, in some way, shape or form, that Ned Guy, who I uh, compared to Sonny Weaver out of the movie Draft Day, <laughs> I think when we, when we see Sonny Weaver and he tells everyone to leave him alone and he, he turns everything into... <laughs> Um, into magic in the end. Well, the guy obviously knew something that we all didn't. And uh, I tell you what, he would strut into the Holden Centre this morning. I reckon he would be walking in there like uh, Vince McMahon or Conor McGregor this morning because he had five picks in the top 31. He used a couple of future first-round picks. And the reason why they did that, they're all talking next year, uh, for those that don't know that, Nick Dacos, the son of Collingwood legend, uh, Peter Dacos, they're talking that he's a potential first-round draft pick next year. So that's why they offloaded the picks for next year, knowing that they had a father-son pick really high next year. So he did really create some magic last night, Ned Guy. They needed some good news too. Uh, look, Adelaide didn't get it. Collingwood, look, there was some speculation that what they were doing during that trade period was trying to prepare themselves for 12 months down the track but some of the decisions that were made uh, really were against the whole ethos of what their club was supposed to be about or is supposed to be about yeah side by side I don't think they were look it was it was a bit of a mess but it, it, it did seem when I sort of felt like when you had El Presidente and Eddie Maguire he seemed unusually silent during this process so they obviously all knew something was going on in the background and what they were working on. I think it was just the way that they did it. Like you're talking about Jamie Stevenson mm. uh, and Adam Trelaw that really if it had been for a bit of luck a couple of years ago, they could have been premiership players at Collingwood. And I, I think it was mm. – everyone was in agreement that it had to be done, but I think it was just the way that it was done that was really disappointing. And Look, even um, I mean, both those players, it's going to be an unusual situation next year that both those players, instead of being the enemy for the Collingwood supporters, I think the Collingwood supporters are nearly have a, a lot of empathy for those guys that they've actually done some pretty good things to that football club. And you, uh, you'll find that I think they'll be getting pretty loud cheers when they're playing against the Pies. Corey, who are the other big winners on the night? I think the other one was Essendon, as we mentioned. Well, we already knew that they had a number of high draft picks, but it was just the quality of picks that they picked up. They seemed like they really loaded up big. Like I I really subscribe to the theory of what Alistair Clarkson did a number of years ago, that if you've got a choice, if you can get some some big players and build your spine, so you get your full back, your centre-half back, and you, you get your key position slots filled, and that's what it seemed like the Bombers really did, and they did it really well. The other one I... I felt like that had a real big win was uh, even Sydney with Logan McDonald. Uh, Logan McDonald really, I was a little bit disappointed. Maybe it's the bias in me, Shane, being a big bloke. But uh, when when I feel like when you get the chance to get a quality big bloke, I think the Swans got a real beauty in Logan McDonald, six yeah. foot five, power forward from Western Australia. And you know, I mean, the Swans, they were the pick after the Kangaroos. And I think Johnny Longmire and the boys up there were licking their lips at getting a, a real big power forward. It, it was an ordinary year in so many ways, wasn't it? In Australia, thankfully, we've come through the COVID-19 thing, it looks like, and you'd hope to think that the trajectory is all going one way. AFL in particular got hit hard. It's a truly national sport, but there's a full review being looked at the whole game, the entirety of the game. It's a big one. Uh, look, it, I, I sort of felt like the year that, 
uh, you nearly feel like the dust has to settle a little bit, like as far as, okay, there's the rules of the game. I know that they were looking at those sort of things, but maybe they don't look at it this way. But I happen to live in Queensland nowadays. And look, I know the years cost them $100 million, but really it's like a $100 million marketing exercise. That I mean, the game to come up to Queensland, they're never going to take over from rugby league. But to be able to grow the game in a new market and then have the grand final. And I think more importantly, just to have the season go ahead and it just provided all us to be able to talk about sport and give us something outside of what was what was really happening in the world. So I think overall, all the sports in Australia did do a fantastic job of making everything happen during a, a really tough period. And during that tough period, Corey, you, you've started your own walk. Uh, want to talk us through what you're doing there. Some really, really good stuff. Yeah, well, Shane, I, I think as I said to you boys when we caught up last week that I saw a headline in the Australian newspaper where they mentioned that the suicide toll was going to outstrip the coronavirus death toll. Then I thought at the time, what can I actually do? You know what I mean? It's We're all great that we have the conversations in and around mental health nowadays. But look, I thought, you know what, if I can create a walk where I can get people up in the morning, that's exactly what I did. We started a walk on Monday, Wednesday, Friday via Zoom so people can log in from anywhere in Australia. And um, it was really just to get people moving. Sometimes it's it's hard if someone's struggling to to have a conversation, but at least if you feel like you're walking and talking. Mm. Um, and the big thing of what I try and do is um, if we can get people, introduce them to new habits or we can add tools to their kit bag, you do find a lot of people have actually at one stage or another had really good habits. It's just sometimes that gets lost. And I think what happened with the with the whole thing with COVID, everyone lost their structure and their routine and their purpose really got thrown out of whack. And that's where I felt like we we obviously did make a, a pretty big difference. And it was it was really rewarding to be able to see some of the messages that we were getting off people and the, and the difference it was making in people's lives. I'll tell you what, you, you've attracted some pretty high-profile people along the way. And I know that without getting ahead of ourselves, you've you forecast a few people that you'd like to get on board. And I know we're going to test our podcast expert who puts this all together, our editor, Dan. But I reckon, Shana, we should be able to do uh, at least a segment while on the walk with Corey. So we've got to work on that on the technical side. But, but Corey, you have had some big names. Uh, uh, Pat Rafter. We've been really fortunate in terms of the, the guests and doing that on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, just to get people's days off to a great start and through a tough time. But then I come up with the idea of doing a, a Christmas challenge that we started on the 23rd of November and goes through to the 18th of December. And the idea that I came up with was trying to raise as much money as what we could for the Salvation Army, where yeah, well all, all, all the money that we'd, we'd raise during that challenge would go to people getting meals at Christmas time. And, as you mentioned, we've been pretty fortunate. I've had Jeff Fennick, I've had Dave Hughes, I've had Wayne Carey, Pat Rafter. So, look, even with those guys, you know, I mean, to be able to hear some of the habits, again, I think all you're trying to do with people that, that join these walks, it's reinforcing the habits and things that they can do, but it's also humanising when they hear some of these uh, athletes that at the end of the day, they're humans as well and they go through the same struggles as what a lot of other people do. Well, Corey, we'll, we'll definitely put up on our website at afternoonsupport.com all the details for people who want to join and get involved, mate. But it's a really, really good initiative. Congratulations. Yeah, no, it's been, I think we've raised nearly about $11,000 already. So that'll roughly translate into maybe 
I know 150, 160 meals for people at Christmas time. So to feed 150 people and to see there's so many individuals that fall through the cracks and this year the cracks have opened up wide, mate. It's a great initiative and I know that, Corey, you're going to be with us on our show going forward because it's uh, moving away from the charitable side. There's so many sports that you love and you're fully across. So uh, it's great to have you on board Afternoon Sport. No, not a problem, boys. Go on you, mate. Up next on Afternoon Sport, we're going to talk a bit of American football with a man that played it, an Australian, Colin Scotts. This is Afternoon Sport. Well, look, extraordinary as we look towards a Super Bowl that's possibly going to happen in February. America absolutely torn apart by coronavirus, Shane. And uh, look, our next guest played over there in this sport. Mate, he did. He's a, he's a superstar. He's an all-around good guy as well. And, and a guy that's actually going to donate his brain to science. Um after he doesn't eat anymore. Uh, Cole, how are you, mate? How's things? Yeah, that brain's going to answer a lot of questions, Shane. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fantastic, mate. Yeah, Colin Scotts, great to have you on Afternoon Sport. First up, just to give a bit of background to it, how do you reflect on your time playing American football? Oh, ma- magic, Tim. It was just what a great honour and what a great opportunity. I reflect back on, you know, taking an opportunity. Somebody came knocking on my door from America, which was... Uh, quite an honour um, to go to the University of Hawaii and be the first to receive a football scholarship and to go to that college for five years and succeed and then get to the next level, the NFL, and then kick on and live a great 20 years in America. It's just been an amazing journey. And, uh, you know, the best thing is, mate, I stayed Australian, I stayed real. Um, and, and, yeah, again, it's just been um, something I reflect back and had no regrets and um, just pure, pure enjoyment. If I die tomorrow, I die happy for it. Well, don't do that, mate. We need you. Um, now, mate, as a young guy to say, I'm going to go play American football and go and live in Hawaii, that, that is a dream, isn't it? Mate, you, can you have, um, you know, and I'm a bit of a aloha spirit. You know, I love to surf and, and um, I love the water. I was, you know, born at Palm Beach. So it was amazing, uh, you know, when you look back at it, you know, what are the chances of me actually getting spotted playing rugby on the Australian schoolboys in Los Angeles, California, by a scout from the University of Hawaii that just happened to walk across the field and thought that I looked that insane with that helmet that I'm going to put a helmet on that head, you know. Just <laughs> and for them to come all the way down and, and to knock on my parents' door and you know my parents told them you know to go and get stuff because they thought they were selling encyclopedias. It's quite an amazing <laughs> story, but you know you got to seize opportunities, boys. The only failure in life is not having a go. It's, have a crack, and if you fail, at least you've learned something and you can, you know, pick yourself up and go again. Yeah, he who hesitates is lost. It's a great thing to live by. We're, we're here for a very, very short time, aren't we? So uh, if you don't take that step forward, someone else will. And, Colin, the game itself, and like the whole of the United States, and we don't want to get too political here, but it, it's just been ripped apart by coronavirus. So even this whole idea of the Super Bowl, which is this great worldwide sporting event, there's massive question marks over it in February in Florida. Yeah, it is, mate. It's, um, I was really, I was going for sure. I've got a lot of buddies down in Tampa that had, you know, I could have invited you guys. He's got a you know a big suite with 30 people. He's one of my closest friends. Anyway, he was all fired up. Of course, they got Brady. They thought they were going to go to the Super Bowl, but they, they probably won't, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, yeah, in Tampa, right now, you know, it went from 50% crowd to 20%, and now they're just saying basically, you know, it is absolutely out of control right now in the States. The, the, you know, my mates are calling me, and they're absolutely done. You know, they're just – 
it's just out of control. Um, you know, it's amazing that they've been able to play the, the NFL this, this year. You know, you've got to give them credit the way they've been able to do it. You know, players, you know, falling down, trainers, coaches, everyone's just getting... But you know what? Everyone's sort of rebounding, so we're, we're, we're keeping positive and hopefully get this vaccine kicked in. But mm. for the Super Bowl right now, it, it's looking very average, you know. But you know, America, they know how to put on a show even through a COVID crisis. Sure. Hey, Colt, uh, you, you've always been a big advocate of the potential head trauma and injuries, particularly in NFL. You've said before that you put a helmet on in your game and you become a weapon. We're about to see a sort of a landmark case in the UK where the 2003 English rugby team, Steve Thompson, has revealed that he has early onset dementia and eight other guys within that group are all experienced some sort of brain trauma. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And people always ask me, uh, Shaney, you know, do I regret? Do I do this? You know, would you have done anything different? Look, in a nutshell, we didn't know. And even down in 2003, it was just at the front end where we were actually finding about the damage that was being done. Uh, obviously, I, I'm hearing some horrendous that the guys are really suffering. You know, one of them can't even remember the 2003 World Cup. It's a frightening, you know, what's happening. But for, for them, for me, I have no regrets. And, and, and maybe they shouldn't as well. Because we didn't know. We really didn't know the consequences. And as I say to guys like right now, like Boyd Gordner and, and all of that, we do know now. We do know. We do know the facts. We do know the consequences, and you will regret it. You know that that that's the big difference. So, look, uh, this this is just the start of an avalanche of lawsuits. Unfortunately, you know I hate it. And who wants to go to lawyers? You know we just want to we want to bash smash. We want to we love contact sports. And the trouble is, it takes twenty thirty years. You know for it to it's it's the silent killer. You know you don't realize it, Shane. You know and you know, I'm at the front end of it now, mate. I'm, I'm starting to feel it now, and it's 30 years on, and, you know, I'm in my 50s, and, you know, like these other blokes are. And so, mate, I just say to them, have, have a crack, guys, you know. Mm. But my case is that we didn't really know back then, so it's different now we do. Yeah, and, and look, to, to be honest, to get to the bottom line, Cole, American football is, and it looks like other sports, it's at, it's at a crossroads, isn't it? Where will it be in 10 years? Look, everybody's getting safer, but everything's getting faster, bigger, stronger. Athletes are just getting bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. There's going to be lawsuits coming all over the place. 10 years, you know, the game has got a lot safer and, 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 and they're doing a lot about the concussion rules. But at the end of the day, smashing your brain you know, and I'm really avid, you know, about this. About, about children under the age of 14 should not be playing contact sport because the brain is so vulnerable, and and the damage done to any collision to a child under the age of 14. If there's a parent listening right now, you know, and I, and I hate to say it because you know, just like rugby, we, we're desperate for young kids to be coming through. But mate, I tell you what, I've I've stopped my son from playing sport, and he's just 13 now, and he can play contacts when he's 14. No. It's a big thing, mate, and I'll definitely take that on board with, with my three young kids. It's, uh, it's a real thing. See, you, you experienced a little bit of memory loss now yourself. You said you're at the start of the start of it, but what, what sort of stuff have you experienced? Yeah, my, my family just think it's just me being dumb, Shane, so it's pretty hard to work out, mate. <laughs> can't remember anything. Oh, uh, mate, you know, I, I, I definitely, uh, you know, you, you get a little bit of just forgetting things that you just, just know that you, you should know especially the short-term memory, um, you know, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit, you can just feel it. But you know what, mate, I am working my butt up. I'm a great example that you can actually 
you know, if not stop it, uh, you know, reverse it. And I am a, a, a machine for working out, getting blood into my brain. Absolutely. I do fasting. I, 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 I absolutely watch what I eat. I take this anti-inflammatory. I really believe that I've got everything stable right now. And I'm like, I'm, my, my actually, I've done my cognitive tests from five years ago, and they're better now than five years ago. So I, I'm here as a hope right now. Five years ago, I think I was worse, Shady, than I am now. And I didn't tell anybody that I was suffering. But now I feel more confident. Why not? Because it's become more mainstream now and people need to speak up about it. But I actually have improved, mate. I really believe you can. If not, reverse it. Delay it. Yeah, well, let's, let's, let's get you back and do that, Cole. But it's always good to have a chat. That is a, a real positive note to finish on as we lead into Christmas. Thanks for coming on Afternoon Sport. Mate, pleasure, guys. I'm a bit worried about you, Shane. Brother Brett, I had lunch with him yesterday. What a wonderful brother he is, mate. He said he... He used to bash you up really easy as a kid. Well, we know that we know that's not true. He's got he's got shoulders like a brown steak, mate. <laughs> How did you miss out on a lunch? You can usually sniff one out from Burke. I'm too busy working with you, Tim. <laughs> See you, mate. See you, boy. That's it for afternoon sport. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you to Corey McKernan and Colin Scott. Thank you to our sponsor O'Brien Beer, and of course. He is to podcast what Frank Sinatra was to crooning, Dan McHugh. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon. A good day today, eh, Shana? Yeah, really, really good day today, Timmy, and uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow.